When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's not like us. It's unlike us. I don't know what it wants. Or if it wants. But it will grow until it encompasses everything. Our bodies and our minds will be fragmented into their smallest parts until not one part remains. Annihilation. TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicates. I am your host, Armand Haddad. This season, we are exploring the cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today, we are looking at the film adaptation of the Southern Reach trilogy, Annihilation. But before we take a step into the shimmer, I am joined by a few very special guests. This is a motley crew of film lovers that are reshaping films one podcast at a time. Please welcome to the Cinematic Roundtable the hosts of Reshoots, Hector, Ruthie, and Ed. Thank you for having us. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> welcome aboard. Yeah. So tell us more about Reshoot Movie Podcast. So I originally came up with the idea for Reshoot right after quarantine started everybody was recommending like oh you should watch the godfather the godfather's a classic movie godfather godfather the godfather and then i watched it and controversial opinion i was very disappointed by it like oh, I, everyone God. had hyped i know everyone had hyped it up so much and i was just like no why did they do this this makes no sense and i was talking with hector like they should have done this they should have done this i could fix this movie if you gave me an hour and then uh, I, I don't know if you made the joke about it or if I made the joke like you could make a podcast out of this. I think I did because I was watching some YouTube sketch where they joked around about we can make a podcast out of this. Right. Yeah. And uh... and then the two of us actually started talking about it. And then we bugged Ed because Ed actually like watches like the highbrow films because like I'm oh. the trolls too kind of gal. I'll just watch anything. Oh my god. <laughs> I, am the, I am the cinephile of the group. I nice. Can, you can nice. say. And I'm kind of the one in the middle to keep it balanced. Yeah. Nice. So we have one end of the spectrum, which is the genre lover, and then the other end of the spectrum, which is the cinephile, the, the art house uh, movie lover, and then you have Hector in the middle that's... The great arbitrator, like, oh, we must keep the balance. <laughs> the, the Christopher Nolan. 
<laughs> so I'm taking that you don't really like Christopher Noland. No, I, I do. I do. It's just. It's a love hate relationship. Yeah. No, I feel you. He makes some really good movies. Honestly, it's just sometimes he's going for that. They're too blockbuster for me sometimes. Mm. So you like a more grounded movie? Yes. I expected more out of Tenet because he had this good mix of like, hey, I can go for big heights, but I can also keep the heart of the film. Like I think Inception, but Tenet was just, it felt really action-y to me. Yeah, I was in the theater. I was one of five people in a hundred room theater and my friend turned to me. He was like, do you know what they're saying? I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a similar experience. We were playing it with subtitles and we got to like the airport scene and we were like, wait, what? The most surprising part about me with that audio issue was uh, the, the scene early on in the boat where they're introducing mm-hmm. everything to the protagonist. Yeah. And even even watching it like on home video, I could not understand a single word they were saying. <laughs> that's not good. Because yeah. that's the exposition uh, point where it's like, oh, we're telling you what the movie's all about and it's all jumbled and you don't know what's happening. And it's yeah, like the, the crash of the water was way too, way too yeah. loud. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some important dialogue. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> you got it right. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I totally been there. Like I'm watching whatever movie, and it's like this could have been tighter. You could have changed this. This character mm-hmm. could have been this or remove that character entirely like uh, episode one star wars you could have combined qui-gon jinn and obi-wan kenobi to create a new character called obi-wan kenobi and it would have been a better movie (laughs) yeah so ruthie i gotta ask before we jump into the main topic your inception no pun intended with this podcast (laughs) are you a film editor are you going to school for film Actually, no. I'm a graphic design minor. So when my professors are talking a lot about like the design process, one of the things that they keep talking about is the necessity to look over your stuff and kind of think critically about it. And that's what kind of made me Mm -hmm. really interested in doing the podcast. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm a graphic design major turned (gasps) professional because I'm not in school anymore. That is great to hear because that is solid advice from your professor. That is awesome. So before we jump into today's discussion, since this was your guys' recommendation, how did you first hear about this film? Honestly, for me, it was just the trailers. It looked interesting. The trailer definitely hooked me within the first 30 seconds to a minute, and I just went out to watch it completely blind. That's what I do nowadays, and I loved every minute of it. Yeah, I do that a lot with film, too. I like look at the poster or... I try to avoid the trailer, too, because I just like going in blind and then being surprised by it. For me, it was my turn to pick, and we just picked Tenet, and I wanted a movie that was going to be hopefully on par, because, I don't know, Tenet looked very interesting when we had watched it. We enjoyed it. For some reason, like I remembered, like, oh, what if we did the Nat- that Natalie Portman movie, the really colorful one? That one sounded interesting. And that was my first time watching it was for the podcast, and I had a great time. Oh. Yeah, it's an amazing wow. movie. So you just watched this movie. Yeah, I saw it in theaters back in 2018, and I was blown away. I went in, I, was so, I forget what movie I was supposed to watch at the theater, but like it was out of, it wasn't in the theater anymore. And I was like, uh, I heard this was good. Let's watch this one. And I went in completely blind, and I was like, this is amazing. This is such a great film. Yeah, I was blown away also, but I just realized that Alex Garland is the director for Ex Machina, which I had yes. watched before Annihilation. I I had actually never made that connection. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Ex Machina is also a movie that I thoroughly enjoyed as oh, well. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, Ex Machina, I absolutely loved that movie. Distributed by A24, and it stars Oscar Isaac, who also appears in Annihilation. Yeah. And also, Donald Gleason, General Hux uh, from Star Wars, is also the protagonist of the film. So, yeah, you can see the thorough lines between uh, Ex Machina and Annihilation. Like, it both has to do with like this scientific threat 
there's a sense of underlining dread between those two films. I haven't seen Devs yet, his his TV show that he made for Hulu, I think. Oh, that's mm. him. Yeah, that's him too. Oh, that just bumped up my list. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ruthie, before we started recording, you revealed that you read the book that this movie is based off of. Yeah, I read the book over the course of the weekend. I got it on Saturday and I just finished it last night. <laughs> wow. Before we really get into the nitty gritty of the film, would you say it was a faithful adaptation of the source material or did it take some liberties with it? So here's the weird thing. It was faithful to the material, but the movie and the book are completely different. That's the best way I can describe it because reading the book, the protagonist of the book is not Lena, the protagonist of the movie. They're very different people. Area X, the Shimmer, they don't even call it the Shimmer in the books. It's Area X is oh. very different from the Shimmer. The makeup of the team is completely different. Everything. It's like Alex Garland, who wrote the screenplay as well. He saw the, the framework of it and he like dissolved all the bits because this book, if you faithfully adapted every word, mm-hmm. would not have made a good movie. Huh. Okay. I don't think so. It's a lot more internal thought processes. Okay. But he took the bones of what was there and he made something, ooh, spooky. <laughs> I think that's a hallmark of a good adaptation because like right now my friends and I are going through the Dark Tower series by Stephen King and same thing with that book series. Would it translate well if you did a, like a, a straight adaptation like from book to, to film? Probably not. And I think that's where a good mind, a good director comes into play because like they could take the ideas that's presented in like a book and then translate it well in a cinematic form. So that is surprising, but also I'm not surprised at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) So before we go any further into Annihilation, listeners of Syndicate, they know what time it is. Please stand clear of the closing And since this is your first time on the show, if you're selling a movie on a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So here on Syndicate today, we're going to simulate that by putting 60 seconds on the clock. You are going to describe Annihilation, with avoiding major spoilers, within 60 seconds. However, since there are three people on tonight, we're going to divide that time 20 seconds each. Starting with you, Ruthie. <laughs> Ladies, go first. Then oh, Ed. Then it. Hector. <laughs> so you're going to finish each other's thoughts. Guys, are you ready? Maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> okay, we're going to start the 60-second elevator pitch in three, two, one, go. Hmm. Okay, if you like... If you like mysteries, if you like thrillers, if you like being confused for an extended period of time, this is the movie for you. <laughs> Ed, go. Uh, so, yeah, Annihilation is a beautiful film. It it has vibrant colors throughout. It has really good uh, shots, cinematography, special effects, everything you would want in a sci-fi thriller. And you won't be disappointed by <laughs> any second of the film in my opinion Hector go if you like a movie with great that combines the themes and the cinematography and just goes into a really good layer of using sci-fi to just explore the human condition a little bit and how people think it's a great film hey with four seconds to spare that (laughs) you guys did a great job while not even describing the film nope (laughs) it's I don't know it's hard to describe this film without kind of giving away too much right right. or going over the time because the one thing i would say it would be a spoiler yeah i think i'm guessing we're all thinking about the end and yeah Yeah, and then i mean you could describe that it's a extraterrestrial threat weird stuff starts happening around that and people go into scientists go into (laughs) uh investigate it yes scientific shenanigans so going off of that Let's get into the movie. So the movie opens with, I guess, a comet or an asteroid or a meteorite heading towards Earth. Hits Earth, hits a lighthouse specifically, and 
this crazy extraterrestrial goo gas comes out of it and then that's where our movie begins so going from there we're introduced to our main character lena which is portrayed by natalie portman and she's some she's in some sort of quarantine and i will say watching this as a 2021 audience (laughs) it kind of hit a little differently this this time around yeah 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 so what did we think about the opening of Annihilation? Definitely intrigued me. Mm-hmm. It was something about like, I guess the having all those people there staring at Lena mm-hmm. just and then knowing what I knew about them and seeing the comment right before it's like, okay, this is so she's like radioactive. What's going on? And they start saying like, oh, all these people you went with have disappeared or died and <laughs> yeah for me it was when they were like reading off and she was responding dead don't know dead don't know like don't know how do you not know right. oh no yeah <laughs> the 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 introduction to this movie is a very 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 like well-constructed hook mm-hmm. if you're into trying to discover mysteries through film it's, oh, yeah. it just opens up all these questions and that's what really stuck with me is I wanted to know the answers to all these questions. Just when we're getting one mystery, like we're trying to wrap our heads around like, well, what the heck like landed on earth? Why is she in this room? We're hit with another mystery, which is her husband that has been missing for a year returns home out of nowhere. And her husband is Oscar Isaac, who plays Sergeant Kane. So he comes home and he's acting strange because not only has he been away from home for a year, he's acting very distant and something crazy happens when they're sitting, I guess, at the dining room table. What exactly happens? Oscar Isaac takes a sip of the water that Lena apparently poured for him. Yeah. He says he doesn't feel very well and there's quite a bit of blood in the glass of water. And I don't know about you, but when I drink water, I don't bleed into the glass. (laughs) I'm not a doctor. I think that's bad. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to put my foot out there. I think it's bad. And Lena agrees, and she does what any sane woman does. She calls an ambulance, and he is being taken away. He's convulsing. He's, He's looking really rough, and he is intercepted. The ambulance is intercepted. You know, black vans, like how it always happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Big scary helicopters, guys with drugging syringes. You know how it is. Exactly how you want to go to the hospital. I guess you would say that's the inciting incident. So that's where our movie really kicks off. And this is within, I guess, the first 10 minutes of the film. So Lena's captured by this government program, and she is brought to a black site, as they say, off the records classified queue clearance all the way up so this is where we learn about the shimmer so as we learn later the shimmer is basically a sort of prism that kind of rewrites the dna in your body and not just your not just in humanity but everything anything with dna like trees plants anything organic basically Mm -hmm. starts to get shifted and mutates and just evolves arguably even some of the non-organic stuff like the inside of a lighthouse is all moldy yeah that's a good point yeah hector the way you described it this prism this like if you were to put oil on water that rainbow sheen that's like on top of the water is like the barrier between our normal earth and then this earth that's within this bubble that's forming and changing everything in its wake. Kind of like the blob, if you saw the old movie from the 80s, the blob. (laughs) If you were to see the shimmer in real life, would that scare you away, or would you be like, I want to investigate. Let me penetrate into the shimmer. Well, the shimmer itself, just the visual aspect of it is very beautiful. I definitely want to get closer, but it'd be really hard to resist trying to 
see what this is, especially if like all this weird rainbow stuff is just sitting there in midair. Yeah, I would feel the same way. And I would say to some degree, our main character, Lena, feels that way too. Because, you know, in her mind, like her husband is dead. Uh, she has nothing to lose. So why not? Why not go venture into this shimmer? So a little bit of context from the movie. The government has been analyzing and studying the shimmer. So they sent in teams to go into gather samples or find the source of what's creating this thing. And so no team has come back. It's all been military missions, men specifically. So they're like, let's do a little bit different. Let's send in an all woman team of scientists and see if that makes a difference. And so Lena goes to the director of this program and says, I volunteer, I volunteer as tribute. And so <laughs> she goes in and yeah, I would say there's some level of curiosity with her character for sure. And guilt. I actually never saw the intrigue from Lena, at least from my point of view. I always mm -hmm. just saw it as a way to atone or the self-destruction theme in the movie. Right, right. She kind of made Cain go into the shimmer first. Yeah, let's unpack that. <laughs> so I'm glad that you bring that up because I love how Alex Garland structures his film because it's non-linear. We as an audience member, we're just getting what's necessary to drive the story forward. And then as we go forward into the film, we learn the context of why things happen. So upon entering the shimmer, strange things start happening. Like you said, Hector, it changes the biology of all the things in there and also structures within there. So one thing jumped out, which is they enter in and she's with, you know, like I said earlier, an all-girl team. They all have supplies for, I guess, a few weeks. And immediately the, the film hard cuts and they're in a tent that's already been made. It's been four days, and this is the first time they're kind of lucid and aware of what's going on. Well, they they, they assume it's been four days, but they've only eat, but they've eaten four days worth of rations. Yeah, it's so right. they've been in there for a while. I my guess was it was just their bodies getting used to the being mm -hmm. in there, and that's maybe when they, once they're more used to it and it had taken its course a little bit, that's when they were awake. That's a really interesting uh, interpretation because. My brain immediately was like, oh, there's some sort of time dilation field going on. <laughs> time is different within the shimmer. But you could be absolutely right, too. It could be like their bodies, their metabolism adjusting to whatever whatever environment they're walking into and they kind of blacked out or something. I, I had the same thought process as you. Like there's time definitely works different in the shimmer. Time is different in here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's proven that it does at the end. Because right. for, for her, her time in the Shimmer was, she said it was maybe weeks. But she was missing for four months. Yeah, because another detail too is the magnetic field was distorted. Right. Because their compasses wouldn't work inside yeah. the Shimmer. So I don't know if that's like if that could affect time in any certain way or even the human body, like something has, something's funky going yeah. inside that shimmer. I'm actually not too sure if magnetic fields can mess with time. I think it could mess with the human perception of time. Yeah. And therefore you could maybe, again, this is just me talking on my ass here, but like <laughs> maybe stay up later or not have to be as tired because everything's just all weird. Yeah. The, uh, the waking up four days after entering the Shimmer or Area X, that actually comes from the book. And I, I can't say too much because it's spoilers and Hector wants to read it. But it was it <laughs> kind of thinking back, it's a weird holdover to keep because really the reason why is selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's explained from the beginning. Uh, if anything, it was like expected from the characters. Okay. And that's all I'll say. Okay. Oh, you're telling me on this book more and more. No, <laughs> read it. <laughs> yeah, in the shimmer... An interesting theme came up too, which is cells live forever since they divide and separate through meiosis and mitosis and all that great stuff. But it's a fault in our genes, specifically with humans, since our cells divide and they could, they could do that forever. However, there's a fault in our genes that cause us to age, which then creates a decay. So in the shimmer, I thought that was a good parallel with the shimmer because in there it's kind of like biology taking acid because like cells are dividing in this exponential way where things are progressing but at a faster rate and a rate where things look a bit odd to our human minds and so i thought that was interesting because like it also showed the human element to that too because like i'm guessing that this comet hit a seaside town and kind of engulfed the entire town because we see like a boathouse a school you know other structures mm-hmm. and the world as it's changing and becoming beautiful in a sense the world is also decaying at the same time because like the buildings are eroding and being overtaken by nature. The humans, which is very interesting, are turning into plants, flowers. Like the human bodies are returning to, I guess, the ground in which it was made. Very poetic in a sense. There's also a lot of like cancer imagery and kind of symbolism. Like the flashback with Cain and Lena reading a book. The book Lena was reading is about the lady whose ovarian cancer cells were taken from her yeah and they still use to this day for medical research and then like all the trees have different uh their moss is different you know which right. is kind of like moss isn't good for trees it's like a cancer and the shimmer oh. itself is like a cancer slowly growing and engulfing more and more and then there's the uh the twin silhouettes of the deer there's the beautiful one with the beautiful like flowering antlers mm-hmm. And then there's the one right behind it where you can see its skull and it's decaying and almost like rotting off the bones. That's a really good analogy because, yeah, everything's mutating. And with cancer, it's it's a mutation. It's your cells are mutating in a way that's, you know, cancerous, that, that's not beneficial to you, but only to the cancer, just like the shimmer on the planet Earth. <laughs> I didn't realize till like my second viewing when I finally got more onto the cancer stuff. Mm-hmm. It really does kind of tie into that whole self destruction theme because that's just cancer, just your body destroying itself with more cells. It's a smart movie. Yeah. Alex Garland, I don't know if this was on purpose, but you have made a very layered sci fi cosmic horror movie. And I would say that's another hallmark 
of great directing is that you could come at a movie like we're we're four different people, but we all have four different interpretations of what we're watching. Like originally it was like, oh, the shimmer, it's this extraterrestrial threat. But once you start peeling away the layers, it's like, oh, this is a cancer analogy. And that's why, I don't know, we're all relating to this film and it's like resonating with us because we may not have noticed, but our brain did. It it is a good show of how good a director is when you go in to watch a movie and so many people just come out with a different idea of what the film was about. So going from there with the cancer analogy the mutations as natalie portman and her crew as they're navigating the shimmer they're seeing all these crazy things and they uncover the base of operations of the previous team the team that kane was a part of and what exactly do they find there they find the creepy camera and when they play the video they see kane Mm -hmm. And Kane adjusts the camera to someone's stomach. He cuts into the belly of the man and we start seeing intestines. And then those intestines just start wriggling like an eel. It's not great. Let me tell you, watching this, I was like, oh my God, he's ripping him apart. And then you see the snake-like, worm-like creature inside the belly of this man. And it's like, oh, (laughs) Either this is a parasite or the body of this man is changing because of the environment. Yeah. It was funny because when we were all like recording for our episode of Reshoot, all three of us were like, that was the moment. We loved this movie. And I I loved it and I hated it because like I kept covering my eyes and then I kept peeking over and then, oh no, I shouldn't have looked, but I have to. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I think she, I was like, it's over now. And then she's like, oh, phew. (laughs) And then it was my turn afterwards with the results of that man. Yeah. the, The aftermath of that scene is probably one of the most beautifully constructed scene and props to the team that created the remains of this man up right. against this pool wall. It's honestly one of the most horrifying, beautiful things I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> it's good payoff. I think that's when I actually fell in love with this movie. So the ladies, they're, they're watching this film, and of course they scoff it off like, no, they're going crazy. They chopped each other up like that was a trick of the lights. Like that wasn't what you thought it was until they go to the pool and they see the remains of the man. And like you guys described it, it is so horrifyingly beautiful. Like you can't have beauty without tragedy or you can't have tragedy without beauty. They kind of go hand in hand for some weird reason, like the yin and yang symbol. In the perpetual balance. So we get to this guy, and he is completely exploded, but in a way where his body is exploding into like a flower or a coral, like or like a fungus. Yeah, where like his veins and blood vessels are like sprouting out into like branches, and that's what good cinema does. Like the images that you see, like evoke so many complex emotions that words completely fail when describing it. And that point in the movie, I would say we're not in Kansas anymore. Okay. Now the threat's real, whatever this threat is. And immediately after they show you that the threat is real, the threat presents itself Oh yeah, with the bear. Oh, the spooky bear. Oh, the bear. So yeah, bears, even though they are, Cute and cuddly as a child's toy. A real-life bear is quite a monster, and that will... It could kill you with one swipe or one bite. And what's even worse is that this bear has mutated into this alien creature from another world. (laughs) I actually... The bear looks a lot like the rotted deer that we actually see later on. Because you can see parts of its skull, and Mm -hmm. uh, it's got very patchy fur as well. It's like it's falling apart, just like the deer. 
Yeah. Yeah, when you get to that part where you see its skull too, you can see like almost at the corner of where its eye would be, there's like another eye socket growing out too. Yeah, there's a part of a human skull on it as well. The bear is introduced twice. Once we establish the threats and then we realize a threat later in the movie. So at this point, the team is shaken up. We're like, we need to turn around. But the team leader says, no, we need to press on forward and go to the lighthouse where the source of all this has started. We're not that far away. We just need to keep on pressing on. And as they are pressing on, the bear comes back. So earlier in the movie, the bear kills one of their teammates, Shepard. I called her the fancy magnet doctor. Or, yeah, fancy magnet scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early on, she's like, I'm a geomorphologist. And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then later she was like, the magnets are crazy. Like, magnet scientist. I can work with that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The bear kills her. And what's so freaky is the bear comes back. And the bear's using the screams of this lady as the bear's, like, howl. It's like a lure. It's using the screams of Shepard to get the rest of the team to try and find out if Shepard is actually still alive. Because only one of them saw the body. Yes. That was Natalie Portman, I believe. So there is some dissent among the ranks at that point, and they didn't believe that she was telling the truth. For multiple reasons, because she was also hiding the fact that her husband was Sergeant Kane, who was part of this expedition before them. The bear returns, and that might have been the freakiest part of the movie. I felt it was the most tense. It scared me a little bit more than the stuff at the end did. Because at the end, I was just like, what? What? (laughs) The bear had a lot of weight they did a really good job with giving the bear like actual weight and like the danger of arguably a normal bear yeah because mm-hmm. like the way it pushes the the characters like physically the way it's just like up close like some of the design like the cgi and just the special effects on it were so good we we're like three-fourths in you know that's usually one character start dropping and one of them had already dropped and one of them already dropped so i had no idea and we knew a lot of more dying, so we're like, oh no, is this is this the scene? Mm-hmm. Right. It adds just enough tension and mystery throughout the whole thing with just enough little bits here and there to remind you of what's already happened. So they subdue the bear, but once again, the bear kills another one of their teammates. And Nellie Portman presses on towards the lighthouse. She is the sole survivor at this point because... The team leader is slowly losing her mind because Natalie Portman discovers that these cells dividing are also dividing within their bodies because Natalie Portman did a blood sample, was looking at it through a microscope, and saw the distorted blood cell dividing within from her body. And she's like, great, this is within us because... We're in the shimmer. It's changing our biology now. As she goes to the lighthouse, she encounters the extraterrestrial. And I thought this was the most thought-provoking moments of the entire movie. So first, she sees a skeleton in a kind of almost meditative Buddhist kind of position. And there's a bunch of residue of like an explosion behind him. Kind of similar to... If you saw the the old Vietnam footage of the Buddhist monk burning himself alive. And once again, there's another camera at this location. She sees the tape and it reveals that it was Kane. So Kane got to the lighthouse, but he's talking to someone out of frame. It is revealed that the person he was talking out of frame was himself or someone that looks identical to him this theme of i guess duplication or dividing cells dividing is taken to to nth degree which is we have a copy of cain so there's two canes so 
I assume the real... So at this point, Kane is talking to this guy who looks exactly like him. And then Kane takes uh, an incendiary grenade, I guess. Pulls the pin. I think it's a phosphorus. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's not a normal grenade. And it explodes and it kills him in this great fire. And the the copy kind of goes into frame and looks at the camera. What's freaky is like this extraterrestrial that crash lands on Earth is, I guess, trying to learn the biology of the planet by copying it. Here's the thing. With Dr. Ventress, just a little bit later, she says, like, I don't know what it wants. I don't even know if it wants. We don't know anything about it. And it's this, it's like the true Lovecraftian horror of there is beings outside of our planet. And not only do they not like us, they might not even know that we exist. They might not even care. I kind of saw it as a neutral creature, if anything. A being that just, maybe not physical, that just wants to do its job, which is just expand and change. I am in the boat that I don't think whatever this extraterrestrial thing, I don't think it's alive. Like, it's explained, like, we, we can't grasp what it is. This biology-changing thing that it does, that's just its reaction with our planet. It's not doing it on purpose. I don't think it's aware that it's doing it. I don't think it's aware that it's maybe even a living creature. I think mm. it's just a reaction happening within the ecosystem biology nice. of the of our planet. So it's like a manifestation of the information that it's gathering. I just had a crazy realization with the way Ed, you guys said that. Could it just be like a DNA, RNA thing where like it's just kind of looking at the DNA of the world and it just kind of tries to copy it and send it off? That I mean, that would go with the theme with like cancer and biology, our protagonist being a biologist. Yeah, that would be, that would make sense. But I also like the Lovecraftian uh, interpretation too, because like, yeah, when Lovecraft was creating his stories, not only was he racist, (laughs) he was also, I'll say it's even worse than that. He was so afraid of the stranger. He was so afraid of what was different. And that manifested in him creating all these, you know, cosmic horror alien gods you know so applying that to annihilation just having this creature that doesn't have a motive doesn't think or feel that is the true stranger and that's what makes it horrifying and freaky is because we want to attribute some sort of meaning to an extraterrestrial threat But in reality, it'll probably go like this. You know, this creature substance crash lands on our planet. And it was like, hmm, well, I'm going to create, I'm going to terraform this planet so it's inhabitable for me. And then we go from there. I did pull a lot of that Lovecraftian horror influence. Mm -hmm. Definitely from, from watching the movie. I don't know if it's like the same way in the book. Ironically... The fear in Annihilation, the book, it's not man versus nature. Oh, I can't say it. Oh, I can't say it. Please don't. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to describe the book. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's different in the book, huh? Okay. Now I have to read the book. you got to read the book. Yeah. It's okay. so good. <laughs> Would you say the book is better than the movie or is it just apples and oranges? Yeah, I'm really bad at comparing things. I don't consider them to be fully the same thing. There's so many elements. Like I said, like they're almost entirely different. It's just the skeleton that's the same. So like the main beats are the same, but everything else is different. Okay. So before we close the show, I have to ask, since we're talking about aliens, 
since the New York Times sent out that article about extraterrestrial unidentified aerial phenomena being captured by our military off the coast of San Diego, I believe, showing craft that defy the laws of physics that don't have any source of propulsion. So I have to ask you guys today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do we believe in aliens? Do you think aliens are real? I believe they exist. I do don't know if there are other intelligent life like us. If there are, I don't believe they have visited us. I think they're at the same point, probably recording their own type of podcast, asking the same type of question. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, we are next to a planet that is solely inhabited by robots. Mars. The the new rover is going to, like, hopefully find something. Yeah. <laughs> they found water in Mars. I'm sure there's bacteria. This is the Doctor Who episode all over again. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust the waters of Mars. Yeah, what about you two, Hector, Ruthie? Aliens? Yes or no? Probably, but I don't know. Statistically, with all the planets there are, there have to be some. There, like whether they're like primitive or maybe more advanced or anything in between potentially just statistically wise there has to be wait you said it was you said that the alien or the ufo came from uh san francisco san diego yeah it was uh i believe it's the nimitz encounter but uh so it happened in 2004 but it got released in 2017 with the new york times article it's called the tic tac incident where Commander David Fravor chased it. Uh, It went from 60,000 feet to one foot above sea level within a blink of an eye. I would like to offer another hypothesis of what could have been. Oh, no. Has anyone seen, I think it was the fourth Star Trek movie, where they go back to the 80s to get (laughs) the whales. (laughs) How do we know it's not, like, Space Force from the future coming to take our whales? (laughs) oh gosh well they are called guardians uh the space force people so maybe they're guarding the humpback whales what about you armand i believe in aliens i believe that they're real have they come here maybe i don't i don't know but there are you know with those ufo videos that are official now I don't know. It's weird stuff. Could it be man-made? Maybe. But also, to tie it back to Annihilation, it could be more likely that if aliens are real, it's probably going to be something like in the movie. Life is like on an asteroid, and it hits our planet, and then like completely changes the face of what life is on Earth think that's probably more likely than commander zibzorp of the galactic confederation <laughs> coming down going on the joe rogan podcast <laughs> but yeah we'll see so to close the show here on syndicate we'd like to do one reason why what is the one reason you'll give somebody 
to watch Annihilation by Alex Garland. Ruth, I'm going to start with you. If you like Lovecraft, but you dislike racism, you should watch Annihilation. (laughs) Short and concise. I love it. (laughs) Really well-written characters that are well-acted in a genre that usually doesn't get both. I agree. It's probably one of, if not the best, sci-fi horror films created in recent times, as well as one of the most beautiful movies I've seen as well. Right. Sci-fi is already hard to do, but sci-fi horror, cosmic horror, is definitely a challenge to do. And I think Annihilation got it right. And with the Lovecraft stuff, it's hard to get Lovecraft right too, because like Lovecraft... You know, he, he's a great author, but he definitely cut some corners when he described his monsters as, like, unimaginable of unintelligible horror coming from uh, the depths of... Like, he doesn't really go into detail on what it is. Yeah, and that's why it's so hard to adapt stuff like that into film, right. where you... It's a, it's a visual medium. Yeah. Yeah, and also when it comes to Lovecraft, I've read a couple of his pieces, and a lot of it, it doesn't... It doesn't jump into like the space god that is sleeping and if you if you wake up the god everything you know will collapse. It's the small things. Like this painter guy gets the willies every time he goes into this basement cuz he Oh, that was Yeah, cuz like he had another friend who br- did really creepy paintings and one of them was a self-portrait. You know, it was it's just like those little unnerving things yeah. and then it kind of gets into the shenanigans. But a lot of people just go straight to the shenanigans because that's what he's known for. Yeah, I typically feel it's like normal people put into extraordinary circumstances. Yeah. You know, taking them out of their environments and putting them into some insane situation. But for me, the reason I would recommend Annihilation is such a slept on movie because... In my point of view, it is the most action-packed, other than Mad Max Fury Road, it is the most action-packed feminist movie, and, like, no one's talking about it. Because, like, you have an all-woman cast who hold their own, and it's to the point where it's, like, it doesn't matter that they are women. Like, they're just scientists doing their job. It's just coincidentally that they're female. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it it doesn't make it a deal that they're women. They just happen to be women. Like in Mandalorian? Like Mandalorian. Yeah. With Bo-Katan and Cara Dune. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, that was cool. Sorry, I, I'm a huge Clone Wars <laughs> fan, so I'm actually really happy to see all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Annihilation by Alex Garland. Please check it out where it is available. And now I would like to take a moment to thank my guests, Hector, Ruthie, and Ed, for coming onto the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And if you'd like to hear more of Reshoots, please check them out where fine podcasts are available or follow them on Twitter by searching Reshoot Movie Podcast. But if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate, that is C-I-N-E, D-I-C-A-T-E, Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, Facebook, and Letterboxd. If you have any questions or film recommendations, please email us at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. <laughs>